Dear, now his father is dead, went to London last September and came home with a wife. Gervase's recollection of Robert Hardesty was of a wet-behind-the-ears whelp, but that memory was more than twelve years old. Robert must be, what, twenty-five? Twenty-six, I believe. A trifle young for marriage, perhaps, yet if, as I suppose, he has his sisters to establish, a wife seems a sensible addition to his household. His sister's futures rated as one of the many reasons he himself felt compelled to wed. Gervais tried to recall the Hardesty girls, but drew a blank. His sisters are about Belinda's age, aren't they? A year or two older, eighteen and seventeen. Everyone thought Melissa and Catherine would be presented this past season, and with Robert marrying, well, we all imagined that the new Lady Hardesty— a young widow said to have been a London beauty, would naturally take the girls under her wing. From Sybil's tone it was clear the generally held expectations hadn't been met. What happened? Robert brought his lady home just before Christmas. Sybil's rosebud lips tightened into an expression of severe disapprobation. In January, with the snow still blocking the roads, Robert dispatched Melissa and Catherine to visit their aunt in York. It seemed his new wife wanted time to settle into her new life without the distraction of having to deal with the girls. However, it's now July, and the girls are still in York. Meanwhile, Lady Hardesty spent the season in London, then returned to the Grange a week ago with a bevy of London friends in tow. I understand she's told Robert that it wouldn't be wise to have the girls return home while they have so many London gentlemen under their roof. Gervais stood before the fireplace staring at Sybil while he grappled with the implied connection. Then he blinked. Am I to understand? Lifting his head, he looked past Sybil, trying to see the hardest story from his sister's perspective. They can't possibly be equating me with Robert Hardesty. His tone made it clear he found the notion inconceivable. He refocused on Sybil's face in time to meet her widening eyes. Well, of course they are, dear. The parallels are rather obvious. He felt his face harden. No, they're not. He paused, then growled. Good God, they can't seriously imagine. He broke off and looked toward the main door as it opened to admit his half-sisters. He'd sent for them the instant he'd stalked into his front hall, having been met in the castle forecourt by Gregson, the local bailiff, with the news that the three had been discovered creeping away from the mill just after midnight. Subsequently, it had been discovered that the mill was no longer functional. Despite the best efforts of the miller, it still wasn't. In the wake of the string of strange accidents that had plagued the estate for the past six months, Gervais and Gregson had set up a secret watch. But the very last culprits they'd expected to catch were the three schoolgirls who marched into the room. Belinda, the eldest, led the small procession. At sixteen she was already taller than Sybil and bad fare to turn men's heads with her lustrous light brown hair and long, long legs. 
but if the expression on her heart-shaped face was any guide, any man would have his hands full with her. Defiant determination oozed from every pore and flashed in her hazel eyes. She lifted her chin as she halted behind the chaise, facing Gervais, meeting his hard gaze with her own Tregarth stubbornness. Annabel, fairer in colouring with almost blonde hair and blue eyes, ranged alongside Belinda. There was less than a year between them and barely an inch. While Belinda had started to wear her hair up, Annabel was content to let her long, pale dresses ripple over her shoulders in a romantic veil. Gervais met Annabel's eyes and saw the same trenchant purpose infusing Belinda repeated there. Increasingly wary, he shifted his gaze to the third and youngest of the three, lowering it to her sweet, delicate face, still very much that of a child. Jane was barely ten.